Good singing, and it is, again, is so good to be back with you, and uh, we did have a marvelous time, and again, uh, we'll say a lot more about it next week, but, uh, uh, and have some pictures to show you, but uh, it, one of uh, my favorite parts uh, was uh, being able to see the joy on those kids' faces when we handed them gifts, and then when they opened it and they were able to unpack it. Um, and uh, the, the gifts were nice, uh, but the opportunity that we had to tell them about the greatest gift, the gift of Jesus, uh, was uh, marvelous as well, uh, and we pray that some of the uh, seeds that were planted uh, will uh, bring great fruit, uh, uh, and uh, that we'll see a lot of souls uh, come to know the Lord uh, because of the work there, but while we were there, if you've ever been most places in Europe, and Bulgaria was no exception, they walk a lot. And when I talk about walking a lot, I'm not talking just about, oh, a half a mile saunter down to the store. Uh, we probably walked over the two weeks probably close to 60 miles uh, because we walked everywhere we went just about. Um, and uh, Josh, the missionary that we went with, He's a runner, and so he likes walking. And he walks really quite fast. Uh, and so multiple times we had to say, Josh, slow down. Uh, one day uh, we went uh, to this plateau. Bulgaria was a beautiful, beautiful country, uh, and Schumann was a, a beautiful city. Um, and uh, there was a plateau uh, with part and had you know, trails that uh, you'd walk on. Um, and but the trails were to get to this plateau was up a mountain uh, now Josh said it was just a hill but it was a mountain and I said to him I said Josh you have seriously underestimated the athletic ability of your team because it was me and another pastor that was about my size and about my physical shape uh, and Leslie and I said, there's no way we're going to make it to the table. He said, oh, it's not near as hard as it looks. Uh, and so we made it about halfway. Uh, and both me and Greg said, no more. <laughs> because we know that as far as we go up, we have to come down. Now, for small folks, coming down is not, all that big of a deal, but when you're as big as I am, and you've got this steep little path, it takes a lot of momentum to keep yourself from rolling down said path. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, nothing really, I just want to tell you that story, uh, but it does have, because in order to be able to, to do those mountain hikes, you've got to have some preparation. Uh, you've got to prepare small. Uh, and so uh, about a week into it, my foot started hurting. I'm like, what on earth? I haven't twisted my ankle. I haven't done anything. Josh did take us up to that plateau, though, the other day. And um, so I think it's just from all the extra walking that I wasn't used to, uh, because now it's better, thankfully. And I appreciate your prayers. As we were able, though my foot hurt, I was able to every day go where we needed to go. Um, and it, it was really a, a great blessing. Um, but that does have uh, something to do with 
our uh, message this morning. And that, you know, not only do we have to prepare ourselves physically for physical activity and exercise, but I think the, the Bible tells us we have to prepare ourselves for spiritual exercise as well. And we should. What this walk or trip showed us is Leslie and I need to walk a whole lot more than what we do. Uh, and so we hope to be able to go back, and we hope some of you will join us next time that we go. Uh, but I'm going to warn you now, if you're planning to go, practice walking now. Uh, and get some good walking shoes, uh, because we'll put a lot of steps on. Um, and, uh, you know, spiritually, and, you know, in January, a lot of us make determinations and resolutions to do things like lose weight or go to the gym, you know, probably most of us have forgotten about those resolutions by now. It's the 15th uh, of the month, and so we made those resolutions two weeks ago, and, and they, they're long out the window. Uh, but hopefully you've made some determinations this year that this year in 2023 that you want to grow closer to the Lord, and that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for our church. Uh, and in order for us to go on that journey, there's some preparation that has to take place. And there's some things that we need to recognize about our relationship with God. Uh, and so we're going to take a look at the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark this week um, and uh, next week uh, to see what does it take to prepare for a new life. And so if you'll read with me the first 11 verses of Mark chapter 1. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so God has a, a way of reminding us of how important it is that we make preparation, that we prepare for new life in Christ. We need to understand that, you know, living in, uh, the Christian life is not just about heaven. Do we make it to heaven? Yes. And, and that's a, a marvelous thing. But that is not the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is that Jesus changes your life here and now. 
and makes you something different. And so that when your address changes from earth to heaven, it's not a big change. That you're preparing here for your life there in eternity. And so uh, Mark begins his gospel, which uh, many believe that uh, Mark was the first gospel written. And it wasn't really John Mark that wrote it down. Uh, well, he wrote it down, but the source of his, the writing down was Peter. Uh, and so there's good reason and evidence uh, to say this is really the gospel of Peter. Uh, and so, uh, and Mark is a, a gospel that is, there's a lot of action. And he uses words like straight away and immediately a lot of times. Uh, he doesn't embellish a lot of the accounts that he uh, records in the gospel. Uh, it just goes from one to one to, to the next to the next to the next. But as he begins, this is what he says. He said, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And notice how he begins it. He takes us way back to the Old Testament. Uh, he takes us to uh, the prophet uh, Isaiah and to Malachi. Uh, and reminding us that hundreds of years before Jesus would come, God had told the people that he was going to send a way for a new life to come. Not only did he say that, but he said that he would send one that would prepare the way for the Savior to come. That he would go before him. And uh, we met uh, Jesus and John the Baptist last month in the Christmas story. Remember from the Gospel of Luke? Uh, John, the John that's mentioned here is John the Baptist. Uh, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Jesus' cousin. And so, uh, but notice what he says. He says that, I will send a messenger before you who will prepare your way for you. So as we say, you know what, we want to have a new life and this is a new year and it's full of new beginnings and opportunities. And by the way, this year will be what you and the Lord make of it. It will be, you will draw closer to the Lord as you want to grow closer to the Lord. You'll get as close as you want to. And so... Isaiah and Malachi remind us that of the first important truth that we need to remember is that God always makes a way. When Malachi and Isaiah ministered, they, they both ministered in times when people were stubborn and stiff-necked and stiff-hearted. They were not living for the Lord. They were doing what they wanted to. Now, they gave the the name of God, and they said they were believers and that they were followers of God. And they perhaps even did all the right things. Perhaps they went to all of the festivals and the feasts that they were supposed to go to. And they brought offerings to God. And yet their heart was so far from God and their life was so far from God, God was not pleased with them. And so God said through the prophets... I'm going to make a way. And the way was Jesus. Because you see, the problem that faced the prophets and the people that lived during Micah's day and uh, Isaiah's day 
the people that had the same problem that lived in Moses' day, in Abraham's day, is that mankind, the only thing we're able to do is sin. And we're able to make a mess of things. That really is all human beings are good at. On our own. And so God says, you know what? The only way that you can really be what I created you to be and make you is if I make a way. It is only through God that we can find new life. And so hundreds of years before Jesus would come, some of the prophets ministered you know, in the 10th century, so almost a thousand years before Jesus would come, God was sending prophets to his people, reminding them there is a better way and a different way coming. God always makes a way. And so, he says, you know, we're going to prepare the way of the Lord. And so then we find who that preparer of the way is. It's John the Baptist. And we meet him and he's out baptizing and he's preaching. People are repenting of their sin. But baptism, even in the Old Testament, and still today, is not something that makes us saved. Baptism is always an outward sign of some change that's taking place inside. And this baptism that John was doing, people were repenting of their sin. They were confessing it, they were repenting, which, you know, it's not just enough to say, oh, I'm sorry I did wrong. We've got to acknowledge our wrong, but then turn away from it. And that's what repentance is, it's a turning away, a changing of direction. And so the people were doing that as John was preaching. Uh, people were saying, oh, right, yes, I have um, have wandered away from God. And this is the great news of the gospel. No matter how far anyone has wandered away from God, God can reach them. You can never go beyond the reach of God. That there's always a way to come back to Him. And He's always willing to receive you and to forgive. Say, well, I've already made that resolution, I've made it you know, for the last 20 years, and I've broken it every year. Well, the good news and the reminder of the gospel is that God never gives up on us. And that there is a way, but we need to understand this, that the way is not you. The way is Jesus. When you follow your path, when you make your own truth, you know what the result of it is? Disaster. 100% of the time. Now, it may feel good and things may work okay for a little while, but eventually, disaster comes. Because as Paul reminds us in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of this disease inside of us that's called sin, we're separated from God But God loves us so much that He is not content to be away from us. And so He made a way for us to come to Him. And that way was Jesus. 
and the preparer, the pre-proclaimer, a prelude, if you will, to Jesus and his message was John the Baptist. And so John was, was preaching, and people were repenting and coming back to the Lord. And they symbolized that as an outward testimony by being baptized. That baptism was a symbol of a washing away of sin. Now that water of Jordan... Was not, it didn't make them clean. In fact, they probably needed another bath after going into that river. Like a lot of our rivers today. But the point was that spiritually they were washed and made new. Not by the water of the Jordan. But by the blood of Jesus Christ that Jesus would shed on the cross of Calvary. And so... John reminds us as he preaches and as we see the response of the people, a second important truth. Not only does God make a way for us, and it's not our way, it's his way. Secondly, Mark reminds us of this important truth that when God speaks, there must be a response. It's not just enough for us to hear from God. And so often we hear a great sermon and we say, Preacher, that was a great message. We leave the doors and then by the time we get to Napoleon Avenue, we've forgotten what the preacher said. Well, the thing is not forgetting, you know, I'd rather you not, but I'm not hurt either that you don't remember what I said. But what is important for you to remember is what God says to you. And when God speaks to you, he doesn't do it just hear him say, now how many of you remember your parents saying to you, do you think I'm talking just to hear myself speak? Now, if you haven't learned, if you didn't learn, you, you don't respond to that. Say, yeah, I do, Mom. Uh, the results are not good. They're going to be even worse for you. Uh, Leslie probably issues that to her students. And if you're a parent, you've issued it to your children as well. But I want you to think about when you were a kid and you heard mom or you heard dad or whoever raised you tell you to do something. And it went in this ear and it went right out this ear. You didn't pay attention to it. Did you really hear them? No. You didn't hear them until it went in this ear and stayed inside and then you took action. And so, when the people repented of their sin, they didn't just say, well, that was good. Praise God, I'm forgiven. They were changed. They made a decision that, you know what, I am forsaking this life and this way for God's way. I'm going back to God. I'm going to make the response of saying, God, it's not my way, it's your way that makes a difference, and I'm going to follow after you. Until we realize that God is not speaking just to hear himself talk. He's speaking to us for a response. Because he wants us to do something. Uh, last year we started working on hear journals. And if you're not doing that, I encourage you to start. And if you need some help, I'd love to help you get started on that. 
But one of the things, so that acronym is here, and it's highlight the text, so whatever scripture you've read that day, write a brief summary of it. The E is for explain, explain in your own words what that passage says. Apply, because if we don't apply what we've read to our lives, we've wasted our time. It doesn't do us any good. But the R is perhaps the most important but perhaps the most often overlooked, it's R, it's respond. And it asks you to answer this question, what is God asking me to do with this scripture? Whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether it's something dry and boring like Leviticus, Or something as exciting as being baptized in the wilderness and preaching and hearing about a prophet eating grasshoppers and, you know, know, crazy stuff like that. Every bit of scripture, God is speaking to us and wants us to respond to him. You see, we often time think that the only time we are asked by God to make a response is salvation. And that is an important response to God. And one every one of us is called to make. God desires for everyone to be saved, Scripture says. That doesn't mean everybody is. It means everybody can be. But the way that we receive salvation is not by working hard. It's not by being, making determinations we're going to be good. Because we can't be good on our own. The only thing that can save us is by us acknowledging our sin and accepting Jesus' death on the cross of Calvary. That he shed his innocent blood to pay my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all of the world. And so the most important decision anybody can make in this life is making a response to that and receiving that free gift. But we are called daily, I want to submit to you, to continue making a choice and a response to God. Because God doesn't just speak to us when He's calling us to be saved. He continues every day to speak to us and to show us new life. And in fact, Scripture tells us That when we're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And one of the Holy Spirit's most important jobs is to help us hear the voice of God. And to know what God is speaking to us. And so, salvation is an important decision, but it's not the only decision for the Lord you need to make. So when God speaks to your heart and you know, He uses Scripture or He uses a sermon or He uses another believer or He uses circumstance, and I think God uses all of those things. But when you know God's speaking to you, and by the way, when God's speaking to you, you know it's Him that's speaking to you. And you know what you need to do. People often come and they say, Preacher, God's trying to say something to me, but I just really can't. Figure out what it is. Most of the time, that's not the truth. Most of the time, the problem is we know exactly what God is saying to us, but we don't want to listen. 
we don't want to do what he's asking us to do. So I said, well, no, I just, I don't know what you want, Lord. When God speaks, he speaks clearly. And we know that it's God's voice. Just think about Moses when, in Exodus chapter 3 when he walked out in the desert. All of a sudden he found this bush that was on fire. Which that wasn't the miracle. Bushes in the desert catch on fire all the time. It's hot. But what the miracle was, was this bush was on fire, but it was not being consumed. It was still a bush. And that got Moses' attention. And so, just as Moses had to make a response... And just as Peter and the apostles had to make a response, and just as Paul and all the other believers we find in the New Testament had to make a response, God calls us to respond to him. First in salvation, but that's not the only time that we need to respond to God. We need to constantly be you know, obeying God's voice. So God speaks to us, and tells us to do something, it's not just to give us information. Is it good to have Bible knowledge? Absolutely it is. But Bible knowledge just for information's sake is trouble. And it's not a good thing. But when we absorb and we're informed by the Bible, and the result is transformation, that's when it's doing its job. That's when we're allowing it to do what it's supposed to do. You see, the more we read God's Word and the closer we walk with God and the longer that we walk with God, the more we're supposed to look like Him. And the more we're supposed to behave like Him and talk like Him. And here's the thing, eventually what happens is we get close to God so that God's desires are our desires. And so, and that's how... But that doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by us being intentional about living in a relationship with God and daily responding to His invitation to live with Him and for Him. And here's the last thing that we find from these first 11 verses of the Gospel of Mark. It's that God is pleased by our obedience. So, God was pleased, though he didn't say it, according to Mark, with John. Because John had been out preaching God's word. And he had been baptizing people when they responded to, to God and they wanted to publicly declare that their life has been changed uh, by God and that they had this renewed relationship with God. And they wanted everybody to know that. John was faithful. In fact, John, if you read through the Gospels, was faithful to death because it was all, his discipleship and his faithfulness to God was ultimately going to cost him his head. But he was faithful and God was pleased with that. And so he's preaching and then around those same days, here comes Jesus, the one that, that John had been preaching about. And Jesus is baptized. John said, this guy that's coming, I'm not 
unworthy to even loosen his sandals. And yet, Jesus is baptized by John. And the baptism of Jesus was not because he needed his sin washed away. Jesus had no sin. Jesus' baptism was obedience to the Father's will. To say, you know what, I'm going to follow God. And he publicly declared it. Oftentimes we want to make decisions for the Lord and we make them privately. And can I tell you, it's okay for you to make a private decision and you know, we shouldn't always air our dirty laundry, so to speak, or even our clean laundry uh, to others. Because a lot of times, none of their business. When I tell you that when you keep something to yourself, it's a whole lot easier not to follow through on it. But if you say to someone else, I've made this commitment to God. Somebody else knows besides you and God. And so if you fail to follow through, other people are going to know. And there's something about human nature that when people know we're going to do something, we're more prone to do it. And so it's good for us, and I think necessary, and I think it's part of Christian discipleship that we share with others our struggles and the commitments that we've made to the Lord. God is pleased by our obedience. And so Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water. This dove uh, comes down. And everybody around, I think, heard it. Not just Jesus and not just John. I think everybody that was there heard it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't yet accomplished his purpose. It was going to be three more years before Jesus would go to the cross. And yet, God said, on this day, I am pleased with Jesus. And God says to us, when we obey him, I'm pleased with you, my son. I'm pleased with you, my daughter. Because you see, for the most part, we obey those people that are important to us. We listen to them. And we do what they ask. And so when God speaks to us, He's looking for a response. And when we respond to Him in obedience... That makes him happy. Puts a smile on his face. It is not our success that pleases God. It is our obedience that pleases God. And any success that we may have is only by the grace and by the hand of God. And so really it's his success. But God is pleased with us, whether what we've done has worked out the way we thought it would, or whether it seems to be a total bust, God is pleased with our faithfulness. The results are always up to God. What we're accountable before, 
God is our obedience. Whether we have done what he has told us to do. And again, God holds us to that standard because when he speaks to us and tells us something, we know what he's asked us to do. And most of the time, when it's not clear, it really is clear. We just don't want to do it. Or if it's not clear, it's because we're not near to the Lord as we ought to be. And so it's a sign that, hey, listen, we need to hunker down in our prayer life and in our devotional life and uh, get alone with the Lord and ask him to, to speak to us because here's an assurance multiple times throughout God's word we're told. And in fact, Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek and you'll find. Ask and it'll be given to you. Knock and the door will be open. Jesus is pleased and God is pleased by our obedience to him. And so I close this morning by asking us this simple question. God looks at you. First of all, does he know you? Well, the answer is yes, he does know you because he created you. The most important question, though, is do you know him? Have you begun a new life in Christ by receiving Jesus' free gift on the cross? And friend, if you haven't, then today would be a great day. What a great way to begin 2023. To make a new start and a new life with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if he does know you, my question is, does he look at you and say, you know what, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And him being well pleased with you is not based on how good you've been or how much stuff you have or how many times you've been to church. What makes him well pleased with you is if you've obeyed what he's told you to do. And if you've obeyed what he's told you to do, he says, hey, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. And the news of the gospel is that if you'd say, you know what, you would not be very happy with me, to be honest, preacher. The good news of the gospel is this, that God has made a way for you to change that. And it's coming back to him. Saying, God, you know what, I've... I've done it my way, and I've made a mess. So from this day, Sunday, January 15th, 2023 forward, let's do it your way. Help me. And you know what? God says, hey, I'm pleased with that. God wants to claim you as his son and daughter. And he wants to say, I am so proud, I am so pleased with him. I'm so pleased with her. And the only thing that's based upon, again, it's not the success or failure, but on your obedience. First, you remember 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15, uh, verse 22. 
Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken, to listen, than the fat of rams. God is more pleased by our obedience than the dollars we put in the offering plate. He wants us, not our stuff. And when he has us, we obey him. We respond in the affirmative and say, God, and so when we do that, God says, you know what, I am going to change your life forever. And in fact, I'm going to make your life, it's unbelievable. You're not going to even be able to fathom the things that I'm going to do in your life and through your life. But the only way it can happen in your life and in the life of this church is if we obey God, if we hear his voice, and we respond. And so that's how we prepare for new life. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel, for the truth that you love us and seek after us, no matter how far we are away from you and no matter how many times we slap you in the face and we turn our backs on you. You love us so much that if we can our sin you are faithful and just to forgive us and so Lord I pray if there's one here today in the audience or watching online that's never trusted in you would you help them today to call out to you and to receive the free gift of salvation that comes through the death burial and resurrection of your son Jesus But Lord, there's many here today that are your sons and daughters and we're asking this question, are you well pleased with us? God, your pleasure is not based on the success or failure, but on our faithfulness to obey you. And Lord, there's one here today that needs to have a restart, have a fresh new beginning. Would you help them today to call out to you? God, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to obey when you speak. Lord, sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't like it. But help us to remember it's always better to obey than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rain. Help us, we pray, Lord, to be your people. Help us to be faithful to you. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation, I Surrender All. If there's a decision you need to make today, we invite you to come. You come to this altar and pray. You can pray where you're standing. But if God's spoken to you and there's a decision you need to make to the Lord today, you know exactly what that decision is. Maybe it's the decision you need to surrender to salvation. Maybe you need to say, you know what, I need to be baptized. Maybe I need to put my membership in this local church and I need to serve here. Maybe it's you need to go...
to that long-lost family member or that neighbor and just say, I love you. However God's spoken to you, would you obey so that God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's sing together.